the the title for today's class, when I sent it to Dan, I said, Dan, the title is Tikkun Olam, or what it means to be a Jew. And I think he said he thought it was two options for the t- title. That's what I assume. Yeah, I thought you were giving me either or. You're like, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, okay, I'll choose that one. It really was just one title. Uh, and because uh, the majority of what we're going to be talking about today is the idea of Tikkun Olam. And it's a term that we're very familiar with, and it's, it's hugely popular, uh, but it's actually not a, a new term. The term Tikkun Olam has been in part of Jewish philosophy, but even Jewish liturgy, Jewish prayers, for millennia. We have the Aleinu prayer, the prayer that was at the end of every... At the, every, at the end of every prayer, the prayer is actually highlighted during Rosh Hashanah, the Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The the Aleinu prayer is, is actually highlighted. It's it's part of part of the uh, part of the actual prayer itself, not just the addendum. And in it, we say Litakain Olam b'Malchut Shaddai, which means to fix the world, Tikkun Olam Litakain Olam, to fix the world with the kingdom of God. And that's the idea. The idea that we're all familiar with the idea of Tikkun Olam fixing the world. And if someone told you, I have something which is, uh, I, have a, I, have, I have an idea, I have a concept, I have a process called fixing something, you would say, it's heavily implied, that that thing is broken. Is broken. And I'll say, I'll ask a question, what's going on here? Where, where's our refund? Where's the warranty? God gives us a world and it's a broken world? What's going on over here? I want my money back. It's a legitimate question. This world we got from the Almighty. And now we're, now we're telling everyone, oh, to fix the world, what's going on? Uh, who wants a broken world? I, want, we, I don't want the refurbished world. I want, I want the new thing. I want, I want fresh out of the box. Why do we live in a broken world? What about our world is broken? And why would the Almighty deliver us a flawed product? Seems legitimate. Tikkun olam, obviously something's broken. If something's broken, why did God give us a broken world? And more specifically, what about the world is broken? What are we trying to fix? What, what, what where is the core flaw that, we, that, that part of the grand Jewish mission is to undo that and to fix and to repair that? Uh, I think that's a legitimate question. And... I think that the answer is, and uh, there's a, the preliminary answer, is going to be, yes, the world is broken. You know? We say, to fix the world with the kingdom of God. The world, wonderful world. We won't trade it for anything. I know they want to go to Mars and move to Mars or whatever. You know, or uh, humanity doesn't have a long time left uh, on planet Earth, which is debatable. Either way, either way, we live in a pretty awesome world. And we wouldn't trade for anywhere else. You know, we feel very comfortable here. But there's one fatal flaw. There's one glaring uh, uh, um, uh, entity or uh, item that hasn't been checked. And that is the idea of God. God gave us a world where the creator of the world is not beknownst to everyone. And in fact, if not for someone like a- named Abraham, it's possible that we would all still be pagans. We would st- all still be blind to the fact that the Almighty created the world. The, 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 the lack, the, 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 the thing that's broken, the entity that's broken about the world is because people or the world itself does not recognize God. 
And in such, such a world, a world where the creator of the world, a world where the, where the purpose, where, uh, where the purpose of, of creation is not evident, that, uh, that, that's a broken world. And that's a, that's a, and that's a world that, that has to be fixed. You know, we have, uh, in technology, there's a term called, um, uh, I forgot what it's called, user, no, it's uh, not user-friendly. When they, no, no, user, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, use case, use case, which is like when you have a new product, like when they, what's the use case? What are you going to use it for, right? You invent the iWatch, the new iWatch. What's the use case, right? The world is a product that was delivered to us, to humanity, right? And the use case, what we're supposed to do here, our instructions, our mission, our focus, that we don't see. So we're, we delivered a product and... By design, I'll, I mentioned this, this is an important point, by design, what we're supposed to do with it, right, how we're supposed to engage with it, our instructions for, 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 for dealing with this, uh, this reality is not there. Right? The idea of God is, is hidden from us. And that's a broken world. And that is the idea of Tikkun Olam. The idea of Tikkun Olam is to take this idea, which is at the core focus of what the world is supposed to be about, the idea of God, and to make it apparent to everyone. So that's what the Kunlam is. But how, do, how does that actually work, right? How do we take the inconspicuous God and, and, and make it clear to the world? Right? How do we fix this broken world? That's one problem. Additionally, we're told many times, multiple times across the Talmud, that man is considered a small world. Very interestingly. Olam is the word for, for world. Olam, right? Tikkun Olam, fixing the world. And Talmud says, Ha'adam, man, olam katan. Man is a small world. And we could safely say that just like the big world has this problem on a global or universal scale, the individual on the more smaller scale has the same identical problem. Man comes into the world. Man has tremendous faculties, tremendous abilities, tremendous challenges, struggles, and everything. But there's one thing, there's one central element to uh, man's focus that is not just readily apparent to them, and that's the idea of God. God's inconspicuous to the world. God's inconspicuous to man as well. And just like our approach to try to change the world, right, try to bring God into the world uh, on the universal scale, we'll have to try to do that on an individual scale as well. And if you were to say in, in, in five words or one sentence the Jewish mission, it would be these two elements. On the grand scale, we're supposed to be a light to the nation. What does it mean a light to the nation? Right? What's our job? We're, we have to educate the world. Educate the world about what? About God. Right? Educate the world about moralities. Right? Educate the world about uh, 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 being uh, uh, benefactors, right? being benevolent. Right? The, that's the Jewish mission. That's what Abraham began. Right? And that's what we continue, that's what the Torah is guiding us as a nation, what we're supposed to accomplish. But on an individual scale as well, we are born flawed by design. Right? Why, why, why are we flawed? Because, of the, because that's the whole purpose. The whole purpose is, is that there's the objective, there's the challenge, there's the obstacle, and then there's the opportunity to over, overcome that. Right? We have... We, uh, we're born with this, uh, with this lack, 
And our job throughout the course of our lives is to overcome that, is to, is, is to complete ourselves, is to achieve perfection. How to achieve for perfection? Right? Via trying to inculcate the idea of God into, into yourself on the individual scale and into the world on the macro scale. So I, I was thinking that there's really... I was going to present this thing really in two, in two ways. I, th- I think that we could say very simply, we could say, listen, if for us as individuals to achieve Tukun Olam, and really for the whole world, uh, because the world is just composed of multiple individuals, right? That's what it is. Uh, a nation is, you know, it's a, million, a million Jews is a nation. 600,000 Jews is a nation. That's what we're told. Uh, obviously, the, the the voice of the people is much is much is much uh, you know it reverberates around the whole world. And the Jewish people have made their impact on the world. An individual, right, who does something good that he or she would not have otherwise done if God not had God not existed, right? Any act of morality, any act of of courage, any act of faith, any act of uh, of, of like we t- talked about last time, of, of resisting temptation. Anything that a man or a woman does that they would not have done if, 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 if uh, had God not existed, that is bringing God into the world. That is fixing the world. That is plugging this massive hole of godlessness that exists in the world. Right? Every prayer, every good act, right? any act of morality, those are... Uh, manifestations of God in the world. That is reversing the major flaw that the world has on an individual scale and also on a, on, a, on, a, uh, on a macro scale. But I was thinking maybe a step deeper here. You know, okay, so, so we're flawed and uh, the world doesn't see God and we're trying to reverse that. Why are we flawed? And what, specific, what elements specifically about our composition as humans uh, um, causes us to have this, uh, this problem of godlessness? So I wanted to take this a, a, a little, little bit, a, a step deeper here. Um, I, I want to make the argument that no man changed the world more in history than Abraham. Uh, in, in Jewish philosophy, we talk about Moses as being the greatest man that ever lived, right? Uh, but Moses and everyone that came after Abraham was, was, uh, was um, building upon a certain principle. And that principle to us seems very basic. You know, you talk to people in the world, you talk, you talk to almost anyone in the world about the idea of one God, the idea of monotheism, the idea of, of universal morality. These are things that every, everyone today almost agrees with. It's, it's a core concept uh, that basically the world is founded upon right now. And to us it seems simple. It seems basic. It seems like a platitude. It seems like something that's, a, that's an axiomatic. Everyone knows that. It's a starting point. But 4,000 years ago, it was absolutely not true. Uh, Abraham was born into a very pagan world. And Abraham was the first through the deduction of his intelligence to uh, deduce and to determine that, no, uh, no, it's not just, you don't have uh, 30,000 gods, 30,000 powers, or the world being eternal. Uh, th- those, th- th- those things aren't true. And the, the idea of one infinite God 
was what he established. And that is the, uh, the founding of the Jewish people is obviously based upon that principle. And the founding of all the subsequent religions and basically uh, all that we know today uh, as being uh, the, the, the way theology and philosophy were is all based upon that principle. You know? We live in a very civilized society. Uh, in a godless society, it's very uncivilized. Uh, the, you know, we know historically... Uh, you read about what it was like living in these cultures. It was really, really bad. You know, uh, human sacrifice and uh, infanticide was common in godless societies. Very common, uh, because the idea of morality wasn't part of the basic fabric of society. It wasn't. So, uh, if you know, if if someone is a petty criminal in in the, in the Roman Empire, well, then of course it, it seems logical to them as a godless society uh, for. Uh, for him to be, him or her to be publicly uh, just consumed by by animals. That that you know, t- they had ten thousand people. Can you imagine ten thousand criminals were were, were executed uh, in these gladiator fights by either by animals or ten thousand people. Uh, to us, you know, some I don't want to get too political, but some running back hits his wife in the elevator, and that's like the biggest deal. You know, that's the. How such a such such a such a moral shortcoming, and they would execute ten thousand people, and they would just have these little perfumes sprayed everywhere, so people shouldn't gag from all the blood. You know, that's what a godless society looks like. Abraham changed that all. Yes, it took some time, but he was the first one. He was the founder, and, and that's what the Jewish people were established upon, and ultimately that spread to the entire world. That's the idea of fixing the world. It's taking a barbaric world and transforming it. That's fixing the world. Abraham was the consummate fixer of the world. How did he do it? What were his secrets? What, were, what did Abraham do? How was he so successful as, being, as changing the world? What were his leadership, uh, 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 what were his, uh, leadership techniques that he used? Right? How did he become, how did his idea eventually become so popular? So what I found very interesting, so I, I found here I have a very long passage. I'm not going to read the whole thing um, from Maimonides. Maimonides, we, it's, it's a fan favorite here because we, uh, we spoke about Maimonides. We kind of feel like we have a, a flavor of, of, of the individual. But uh, he goes on, I have a th- here in three paragraphs, but not, he goes into a description of what Abraham did. And Abraham at a very young age started asking questions and started analyzing and started um, Rejecting basically the positions of everyone around him, you know, he he was an outlier. He was going against 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 the flow. He was one who would say, "Wait a minute, why are we genuflecting to these uh, to these idols of wood and stone? It doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. It's irrational. It's unreasonable." And he faced a lot of flack, but ultimately he he won, and he would go on debates, and he would go on, and and and. And, and he would argue with people, and eventually he would, he would overwhelm them with his, with his logic. And he developed a following. The Torah talks about his following. And he was the one who established this idea. He was the one who was the first. He was the first person to intellectually determine that God existed. Now, that's Abraham, the individual. That's the story behind Abraham. If you open up the Torah, and you open up the... the, 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 the uh, 15th chapter in Genesis. And we meet a man named Abraham. And you read the, the two Torah sections talking about Abraham. You won't find any mention of his faith. Wait, wait a minute. Abraham's most remarkable achievement 
was that he was the one who discovered monotheism, popularized monotheism, and changed the world. And somehow, when you read the Torah, that idea is just absent. It's not, it's not explicitly talked about. In fact, something which seems to be contrary to that is discussed at great length, and that is Abraham's kindness. We know the stories of Abraham. Abraham, for example, a famous story, Abraham uh, gets the instruction to circumcise himself. A couple of days later, he's in mass torment, but he's outside looking for guests. Are you familiar with the story? He's looking for guests. And it's, it's, it's really hot outside, and he says, you know, and God comes to visit him. And then he sees three, three stragglers walking around. And he says to God, <clears throat> excuse me, i got to go take care of the visitors. You know? And that presents Abraham as a paragon of kindness, a paragon of someone who, who took care of guests and took care of passerby. And then a, a few pages later, it talks about Abraham trying to intercede on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and tried to convince God not to destroy them. Once again, kindness. And that's basically the theme of Abraham throughout the Torah. And it said, we have uh, this statement, we say it multiple times, chesed Avraham. chesed is kindness to Abraham. Abraham is the paragon of kindness. So we see here two disparate and perhaps even opposite, can we say, characteristics being portrayed in Adam, in, in, I'm sorry, in, in Abraham. Why would the Torah uh, not highlight the element of faith that Abraham, uh, that Abraham uh, innovated, uh, but in, in focus also on his kindness, or primarily on his kindness. These themes don't seem to have any commonality. There doesn't seem to be any overlap between kindness and faith. You could even argue that they seem to be opposites. Kindness is a very uh, interpersonal, and faith is all about man and God. And it, how is it possible, is another element of the question, how is it possible that Abraham was just so multifaceted uh, that he was able to be the paragon, the personification of faith on one hand, and on the other hand, to be uh, this uh, great, um, uh, kind, gregarious uh, uh, person who was just engaged with other people all the time. Uh, so that, that, that's, that's a, I think it's a, it's a profound question because... Uh, we're asking why the Torah didn't say something, not, not why the Torah did say something. You know, why is a certain element of of, of Abraham not highlighted? Another element of Abraham, yes, highlighted. And how do these things interrelate? That's basically our question. And remember, the Torah is not giving us stories just for the story's sake. It's trying to teach us a lesson, and that's a, that's a, that's a basic principle: is that the Torah is not going to tell us something for nothing. The Torah has a reason and a lesson that's trying to impart when it tells us whatever it tells us. Additionally, we find in the Talmud a statement that would seem to be uh, in line with this Abraham uh, uh, perspective. It says, I quote, Anyone who has kindness certainly has fear of heaven. Makes this declaration. If someone has kindness, kindness is interpersonal, they have fear of heaven. Wait a minute. What do these things have in common? Abraham had those two as well. And the Talmud links these two together forever. We know when someone has kindness, when someone is, is a deeply kind person, right? when someone cares about his, about his fellow, I just had a fly flying in front. I wasn't, I wasn't doing a dismissive. Uh, <laughs> I just had a fly flying in front of my, in my face. I apologize. Uh, what was I saying? Sorry. 
anyone who has kindness, right, uh, most certainly has has fear of him, which is an element of faith. What do these things have in common? What's the connection between these two? So what did I say? I mean, perhaps a deep idea that will shed in, uh, will shed light on what the problem with humanity is and how Abraham inspired a solution and how we could follow suit. The root of these two characteristics, faith, kindness, is one. It's one idea. Right? Man begins, begins life as a selfish brat with nary a redeeming quality. Yes, I said it. <laughs> Children, when they're hungry, what do they do? They cry. When they're thirsty, what do they do? When they're lonely, what do they do? They cry. When they're sad, what do they do? When they're bored, what do they do? They cry. A child's response to anything that they're unhappy with is cry. Take care of me. Well, well, okay, what if it's in the middle of the night? doesn't matter. That's what I care about myself. (laughs) Me being the child, right? The proverbial child. What, what if my mom hasn't slept in three nights? Doesn't matter. All I care about is myself. That is man's fatal flaw. Man begins life right, uh, as selfishness. Now, if someone, is, if someone is selfish, all they see is themselves. All they, all they care about is themselves. And we know in life there are people that all they see is themselves, and there are other people who see others as well. The, the imagery uh, that I'd like to present, imagine a man in a dark room. The doors are locked. The windows are bolted shut. They don't see anything. You crack open the window just a little bit. What do you see? You see everything. You see the heaven above and the, and the earth below. So too, a selfish person, right? if the windows of their heart are sealed shut, they don't see anything. All they see is themselves. All they care about is themselves. Do they see God? No. Do they see their fellow? No. Once they're able to break out of this selfishness, to break out of the self-centeredness, right, to open up their heart just a little bit, then there's room for God. And then there's room for man. The fatal flaw of humanity is that we're selfish. All we see is ourselves. And this pre- prevents us from, God, from seeing God. Right? The world is broken. Why is the world broken? Because we don't see God. Why don't we see God? Because all we see is ourselves. Why don't we see man? Even, wh- wh- why don't we see our fellow in their time of need? Because we're selfish. The root of these two things is one. Abraham. Abraham changed the world. How did Abraham change the world? Well, the Torah tells us it seems to be divergent themes. He had faith, he had God, he had his man, he had his fellow. What he really had was one thing. He was able to open up his heart as wide as an auditorium. And once your heart is open like that, there's room for God in there. There's room for man in there. You are not focused on yourself. You're able to put your fellow at the, at, at the center of your focus. You're able to, uh, to, 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 to let God into your hearts. Right? You're able to change the world, and you're able to undo this, this problem, this problem of, 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 of a broken world. Abraham began this mission. Abraham blazed the trail of changing the world, and he did more than anyone else. But our job as individuals and as Jews is to continue that. And is it easy? No one would argue that it's easy because we're, 
by design, as we mentioned earlier, we're uh, deliberately, God placed us in a way that we have to, we have to work. We're in the dark room, right? Uh, we're in the dark room, and from the beginning, we see our, all we see is ourselves. But our mission and our goal and our uh, inspiration from Abraham is to able to open that up. And once you open that, once you open that up, then you have the then you have God, God and man, both of them. You have faith and kindness, the same thing. You know, if someone has kindness, if someone truly cares for someone else, right? It's got to be that they have they have God, because the only way for someone to not have God is if they're closed up, if they're not willing to let God God in, God into their hearts. If someone has a little crack available for someone else, right? There's enough room for God there as well. So these two two elements of our growth two elements of our spirituality, two elements of what we're told to do through the Torah right, are there to open up our hearts. Right? But once it's open, oh, there's, 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 there's no limits to what the, human can, what the Jew can accomplish. And w- what does this world look like? Well, what does a world that's a fixed world uh, look like? So we have the rest of the continuation of the prayer. We said to fix the world with the kingdom of God. Once God is in the hearts of everyone, what does it look like? And all humanity will call out your name to turn all the earth's wickeds towards you. All the world's inhabitants will recognize and know that you that to you every knee shall bend, every tongue shall swear. Before you, Hashem, our God, they will bend every knee and cast themselves down. To the glory of your name uh, um, will they uh, render homage. I guess that's an f- interesting translation. And they will all accept upon themselves the yoke of your kingship that you may reign over them soon and eternally. Uh, for the kingdom is yours and you will reign for all eternity in glory as it is written in your Torah. Hashem shall reign for all eternity. It's possible. It's possible to have a society where God is in the hearts of everyone. That's a fit society. And once, once, once we have that, we'll live in a place. You know, will there be crime? Why, why would there be crime? Right? When people have God in their hearts, they have morality. They have guiding principles. They have tenets of beliefs that lead them in, into living a moral life. They won't live a life of crime. When people have their hearts open, they won't be self-centered. They're not focused on themselves. They don't just live in this dark room. They see others as well. And the plight of others bothers them as well. And, and the, the, the needs of others are their needs. And the struggles of someone else is something that bothers them as well. All that's possible in this world. But our challenge, our, our focus, our uh, first step that we take into fixing the world is fixing ourselves. That's what it means to be a Jew. Yes, there's this big world. The big world gets open once the little world gets open as well. So that's the mission. That's what that's what we're told to accomplish, and that's what we will accomplish, and that's what we're we're well on the way to doing that. Abraham was the first, and we, we're going to continue in his in his journey. Thank you all for coming. Ten oh two, perfect. So I had a question. Yes. Uh, questions. Absolutely. Uh, so. Money is finite, time is finite. Faced with two choices, does, does God care about whether I help the, the Jew in need first or the non-Jew? Well, think, think about it this way. If you have a family in need and you have a stranger in need, who do you take care of first? Family. Right. The Jewish people were family. So, um, in, in the words of uh, Michael Corleone, right? You don't go against your family. You don't ever go against your family. Depends on the family. <laughs> right? So yes. Um, we, we are commanded in the Torah to, to, to do kindness and do uh, charity with non-Jews as well. 
But of course, nothing supersedes family. Of course. Any other questions? Okay, so thank you all, and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the program. Um, if I can, I, I need anyone to sign in here, but if I, I see some new faces, and I hope you all will come again, but um, maybe we can get your emails on the email list. Uh, and we can, next, uh, next week we have a class as well, no? I don't remember. Yes, yes, actually.